This is GabNet, the great American broadcast network. Talk radio like you've never heard it before. Live, at least if you're listening at 9 p.m. Eastern on a Friday night, from the GabNet Studios in Washington, D.C. It's Albert's Public House. Rob Alfano here, sitting in for Albert on the Friday night program. Going to open up Skype in just a little while. We'll give you a chance to call in, and we're going to play some trivia later on in the game, or in the evening, or in the program. It's Albert's Public House. If you want to reach us via Skype when we get there, it's GabNet Live, all one word, GabNet Live. Coming up tonight, our program schedule at 10 p.m. Eastern. It's Alex Bennett's Ramble from 10 until midnight. And then at midnight, it's Catch-Up Night with Revel Stoke Jim's Canadian content here. It's Friday. So we all get ready for the weekend here. Hope you're all having a great evening. Everything sounds low. Oh, there we go. Sounds better now to me. I feel like I'm screaming. By the way, if you'd like to email me, you can do that at rob at gabnet.net. All right, rob at gabnet.net is my um, email address here at the Great American Broadcast Network. And I have a Skype account. I'm sorry, a, um, what do you call it? Twitter account. I heard Alex talking about what a hashtag was on his program last night. I, I have absolutely no idea how any of that stuff works. A hashtag, I, I don't even know. I, I mean, I know people say hashtag this or hashtag that, but I have absolutely no idea how to use it. But my uh, my Twitter account is Rob uh, at Rob Alfano. So whatever, whatever that means to anybody, you can, uh, I never, I forget to, to even ever check it, but uh, I have it, so Okay, open up the um, Skype right now. The citizen panel is uh, is open, and um, let's uh, let's begin the evening here. Hello, Rin. How are you? I'm fine, Rob. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. You are the. Uh, I know the last couple of nights that David has beat you out, but you beat him out tonight. So you're the four person on the citizen panel. I see you got a big smile on your face. How are you, David? Good. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. How you feeling? Oh, I feel fantastic. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm jealous of uh, of of the uh, medication that you're taking. That's for sure. Oh, my medication <laughs> is great. <laughs> Rick and Teresa joined us. Hello. How are you? Hello. Josh Wheeler has joined in as well. How Hello. you doing tonight, Josh? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, do I have everything I need going here? I think so. I think we're in good shape. Last week I had problems um, with uh, connecting into uh, Alex's system to stop the live broadcast going out on, the, or I should say, the network feed. And uh, it threw me all off. This week I think I'm in good shape here. So um, 
Let's. Um, anybody have anything they would like to start the evening with? Anything that's on their mind that they'd like to bring up before we get into some of the, uh, the stories that I found? I just no. want to go on record that I know my husband shared with you um, that I was cleaning last night. <laughs> yes. And I'm so domestic that tonight I'm sewing a button on his shorts. <gasps> wow. Wow. I do that because he's such a good cook and I hate cooking. So, you know, it's you got to give and take. You know what is I mean? It, is, that, is that what he's doing in the background? Is he cooking? He's making coffee. Oh, okay. No, we went out for Thai food for dinner. Nice. Ooh. So no grappa tonight, coffee instead. Oh, he'll have that too, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, with bourbon tonight, he said. Bourbon. Uh, it'll be scotch for me a little later on tonight again. I haven't bought any bourbon. I've finished that. So anyway, uh, anybody have any uh, news stories they'd like to discuss? Uh, Rin, do you have anything uh, on Ebola that you'd like to bring up before we move forward? I don't have the well, all dead, all dead. David, if you, you'd like, you can. All dead, all dead. <laughs> there you there go. go. All right. Hey, well, hey. Um, there's 68 more cases and 29 more deaths since uh, the 6th. Since the 6th, so, so two days ago. So two days. Yeah. Wow. That's, you know, I did run across any items. Did I, did I, did I uh, mark it down here? There was an Ebola story. That I thought was interesting, different from your. Um, no, I didn't. I, I didn't uh, note it, so it wasn't um, something I wanted to bring up. I like you know a little bit crazy kind of stories when I do the news here. So, oh, we just lost David. Oh no! He will call back in. I'm sure his internet. It's probably right. his internet connection. Anybody have anything else about Ebola before we move on? Is that somebody? Your cat moving in the background, Rin. Yes. Ah, okay. Mine's Dresden. Right here. Mine's right here on the floor. The camera doesn't get down low enough to oh. see it. She's been up here. Like I think she she really takes after me. She's a studio cat. She's always in here. <laughs> I walked in here tonight and she was laying down underneath my table behind here. Um, um, well, let's get to the news. Um, a GOP official who posted a message on his Facebook page that questioned whether Muslim Americans have made a positive contribution to U.S. society, has resigned. He is from my state, Virginia. His name is Bob Fitzsimmons. He's the treasury, the treasurer of the uh, state Republican Party, distributed his resignation letter to party officials on Wednesday night. He wrote a one-page letter to members of the party's uh, state central committee, and this is a quote. It seems that no matter how careful I might be, I will periodically give occasion for others to portray the party in a bad light so long as I'm a party official. After discussion with several party leaders, it seems clear that I will either need to stop posting on social media or step down from my party office. I guess he chose uh, <laughs> to keep posting. Fitzsimmons was unapologetic. Really yeah, yeah, right? Uh, Fitzsimmons was unapologetic for his comments. In the letter, um, he said that his resignation will not take effect until his position has been fi- uh, filled, and he will probably that'll probably happen at uh, the state GOP meeting August 16th. Uh, last week, Fitzsimmons posted a comment about a message from President Obama marking the end of Ramadan. Obama praised Muslims for helping build the very fabric of our nation and strengthening the core of our democracy. Fitzsimmons' response was, 
Exactly what part of our nation's fabric was woven by Muslims? What about sickens? I don't know. I've never seen that word. S-I-K-H-S. Six. Is that pronounced right, Josh? Do you know? S-I-K-H-S is the, the, the spelling of it. What is that? Animists and Jainists. Should we be thanking them too? Yeah. That was his quote. So, um, Pat Mullins and Michael E. Thompson, the chairman of the yeah, and vice. Bob, yes. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Um, S-I-K-H is um, a Sikh. Sikh. They're Indian. Okay. Well, he uh, he made this statement and um, it's caused him to have to step down. So. Oh, well. <laughs> but according to his statement, he shouldn't step down because he's not apologetic so i it's very strange well i think he's doing it for his party so he doesn't right. feel apologetic but, it's and and then i don't understand i'll quit i should quit social media or my job <laughs> I, it was a very bizarre story i'm i'm sorry it's not your fault i'm just saying it does it are you not as confused as i am by the whole thing i when well i when i you know, this is copy and paste. I put everything in notepad so I can, I take away things that wouldn't, you know, sort of, I read everything pre, you know, before I read it to you, I read it and I take away things that are, you know, would make it sound like I'm reading it from the newspaper as opposed to, uh, so that's exactly the way it was. And basically he's saying that he would rather stay on social media and speak his mind rather than, uh, stay in his job. So he is going to resign from his position. Well, you should. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, here's a here's one which kind of surprises me for the area. Uh, hundreds of parents in the Bay Area are protesting a health class textbook. Uh, they say the book goes too far with its talk on bondage and sex games. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Wow. laughs> they call that too explicit for their young teams. The book... Uh, the book supporters say it's not pornography, it's anatomy. This is a quote. This is a great book for college kids, one parent says. It doesn't fit my 13-year-old. The, they argue that the book goes way beyond the birds and the bees. The text contains topics like bondage, blindfolds, explains sex toys, and games and books called safe and, and, uh, and the and sex books called Safe and Harmless. More than 1,500 parents signed a petition demanding the Fremont Unified School District drop the book. They say uh, these days sex education is less black and white. Teens have easy access to sex in movies, books, and on their phones. Sex educator Ellie Chase calls the book a modern textbook for modern times. The Fremont School District uh, stands behind its decision to buy the book for this year's sco- uh, school for this school year teachers felt that there was that there is what california requires here are the the teachers felt here is what california requires here are the standards this is the best match for it the authors say the textbook is targeted to college freshmen but is still appropriate for younger audiences for now these moms say they'll keep up the fight to stop sex education from getting too sexy i you know i i think it's 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 rough with 13-year-olds, but the, the reality is they're going to find out about this stuff, and they're going to find out about it in maybe not such a safe way. And I, I'm not sure if it's designed for college freshmen. Maybe you've got to tone it down, maybe get a little less explicit, but there are dangers in doing that type of stuff, and, and these kids need to be aware of that, or that somebody's going to pick up like 50 shades of gray and do something really stupid, and somebody's going to get killed. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um 
I don't know how I feel about it. Um, uh, do kids really need to know about bondage and no. blindfolds? And, I, but I, it's it's out there. Look at look at TV wait, shows wait, wait, like wait, wait. CSI. Okay, yeah. You know what? I have three kids, and I'm very um, liberal and modern, and you know I know about all that stuff. But I still don't think I would want my 13 year old when my kids were 13 that I would want them to be having that in school. Yeah, I mean, I don't I think if you have if you're a responsible parent, I didn't have a parent that raised me where I had a a sex talk with them. But if they did, I don't think they would be telling me uh, my father would pull me aside and say, "Uh, son, see this blindfold. Here is a (laughs) pair of handcuffs. I mean, you explain sex to people give, and you let give them, them back to your mother when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think that you let people grow into who they become. I don't think you need necessarily teach them about kinks. Well, now it explains to the kid why he hears daddy in the bedroom every night going, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Please. Come to my but, but, you know, the thing is, it's it's um, again, you can't be too explicit, but kids Kids are into stuff. By the time they're 13, I mean, guys, let, you know, let's be realistic. At 13, we were walking around with our dicks hard almost 24 hours a day. And whatever fantasies you had in your mind, they were going on, you know, and it's probably safer and better to learn about it from some sort of authority. And again, it doesn't have to get too explicit, but at least give some sort of information. I, I You know, I know it sounds rough. Not at 13, no. I, I think I, it's I fine to teach it. Boy, I was. Yes, but they're not just talking about boys. They're talking about boys and girls, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's fine to teach sex. I don't think you, right. I think you could leave the extraneous sex out of it. I don't think you need to teach people how to be kinky at 13. No, well, no because you find that with your is, experience. I think that yeah. people who are kinky, watch out, this is bourbon. I think that, that people who are kinky are that way as soon as they, they enter sexu- their sexuality, they start thinking about things, whether it's there in print or, print or not. It didn't happen and, that and way. And again, I, I understand, I, you know, it shouldn't be too explicit, but it should at least be something of, you know, there are things that people do that may sound weird. And, and, and you know, you're just trying to prevent injuries or, or deaths from happening. It's, it's real. That's where okay. I'm coming from. Uh, when I was 13... I knew nothing about this stuff. Yeah, I didn't. You weren't as twisted as I am. That's you really right. knew about bondage and S&M and all that yes, stuff at 13? How did you learn that? I, I found <laughs> magazines. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I as a 13-year-old, um, I remember, you know, you knew about sex. And you were dying to try <laughs> sex. But uh, to think about those things, I mean. Oh, uh, yeah. Betty much Page later. was out there at that time, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I am speechless. Far more erotic than just a naked woman. <laughs> yeah. So you're for the book, Rick? Would you say that the the book uh, is is okay for thirteen year olds? Well, I haven't read the book, so I can't really comment on the book per se. And he but, doesn't have any kids. Well, no, no, that's beside the point. <laughs> I don't need little rugrats to, to know what's right for kids. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But um, you have a different feeling. Well, if you had a thirteen-year-old without seeing what's in the book, I can't comment on exactly what's in the book. But in principle, I agree that there should be some sort of education, at least alerting kids to the dangers of what you know acting on some of these things could be. I could see that. I mean, but. I also think that the more you teach kids and the more you tell them things are either dangerous or taboo, the more they're curious and the more they, you know, it's like I can tell you when I was a kid, 
I grew up uh, in a family. My grandfather owned a liquor store. And as a young, I mean, I grew up in that liquor store surrounded by booze. And it was not not a weird thing for for six, seven years old for my father to say, you know, he'd be like sitting there with his drink and he'd say, you want to taste it? And he'd let me have a little sip. I was not one of those kids who ran on a Friday night to get someone to buy beer or to buy booze because it was never taboo to me. Same, same with me. My parents, when they were having a beer with their dinner, would let me yeah. have a sip, you know. And it, so, I, again, I, yeah, just like you, I never felt the need to go out and get trashed at a young age. No. I waited until I was much older. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it's just the idea that, you know, you were exposed to it and you knew it was. And you're never going to prevent kids from, from doing things that are taboo. But if they hear about something and there are just too many inherent dangers in doing this stuff without having some idea. Maybe you can incorporate the bondage instead of doing it, calling it bondage education, incorporate it into a sailing class so they learn to tie knots. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they get that in the Boy Scouts? Well, yeah. not, not, you know, but this is for sailing, you know, and, and some of the, uh, the best rope people I've ever met in my life were, were, were sailors. <laughs> Do the Girl Scouts learn to tie knots? Uh, only, only the boy, only to tie Boy Scouts up. <laughs> oh well, I've always—I I don't know. I—I I, I suppose I don't know about the book either, like Rick said. But I've just always thought, that just personally for myself, that having that taught in schools was kind of—I don't know—a waste of time or not necessary. I've just always wondered if it should be the job of schools to teach things like sex, and it seems like. The education that we have now, at least in my opinion, is kind of poor. I mean, I don't think they leave school very, very smart. I mean, I think there are some kids who do who went to really nice schools or prep schools and were were forced to by their parents. But for the most part, I don't know. I mean, I, I've just thought that things like this and, and teaching about drugs and all that has taken up time that would have been, you know, better spent on just, you know, more traditional education. But like learning um, history or uh yeah i mean it doesn't have to be my subject you know but i mean but it is true i mean you well, know no, even i mean they didn't, i mean i'm just saying how many kids do you meet that could name even the first four presidents right you know i mean who could get past three or four but yet we had to make sure they got you know sex education and 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 weeks and weeks and weeks of this dare to say no to drugs program and teen pregnancy you know what i mean it's it's just like we're they're it's like they're trying to, i mean i don't know how maybe if teachers like doing it then okay i guess but i just you know it's well, like they're turning school into a uh, like a vocational school as opposed to an educate like learning how to live you know learning about drugs learning about sex they don't teach anything about parenthood right, right. they don't teach you know people anything about i mean learning about life and how to live life as opposed yeah. to learning subjects Right. Well, that's well, important stuff to learn yeah. in school. That, that, that's all part of an education. Um, and, and because there are so many parents who don't do the job of parenting. Well, that's not the job but, of the school. But if we, no, but then you can't just turn your back and say, well, screw it. Let these kids just turn out how they turn out. No, but I, I get what, what Josh is saying. I do, too. I, I, think, I think that, um, and I know as a 13-year-old, when I was a 13-year-old girl, when those subjects came up, all we did was get embarrassed you know, I mean, they talked about 
girls getting their period in front of the boys in class. You know, we were dying. We well, were no, like, see, that shouldn't happen. Well, wait, that should be wait, done yeah. separately. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's all part of sexuality, though, Rick. No, 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 no. But I, I think because it, because of the ages involved, it should be done separately right. with the two sexes. The boys go to one, you know, health ed or whatever you want to call it. Yep. And the girls are in a separate one. Otherwise, it, it is too embarrassing. And by the way, uh, Rob, they do teach about being a parent now. I really? mean, they have, I don't know. Do you have kids? No, I don't. Oh, so they have um, classes, uh, uh, you know, here for middle-aged, middle uh, school children who have to take an egg. Have you heard about this? No. Okay, they take an egg home, and there's a boy and a girl that are pair, paired up, and they're, they're pretend parents, and the egg is their baby, and it's got a timer on it, and, uh, you know, it wakes them up in the middle of the night. The alarm goes off, and they have to get up as if they're a parent to feed the baby. Hard boy, yeah. fucker. In, in, the, in the school district that I live in, they actually have a fake baby. It's and so, it has, like, sensors and things inside of it. Yes. So that if you drop it, it, it records that, or if you shake it, yep. or it has a timer from the time that it starts crying, it records how long until it's picked up, et cetera. And this is an assignment, and they're they're graded. And I mean, like I said, if we have health teachers, and this is what they really want to do, and all that, and maybe I'm a an elitist, and I'm just so academic. I just think this shit's a waste of time. I mean, in my opinion, if a young girl wants to learn about this kind of, I mean, she should ask her mother. Well, I, I have a you question know, as to I, the I, motives. Who better to learn it? I'm from, but yeah, I understand it doesn't work for everybody. But you know, I. I question the motives of why they teach that. Are they teaching it to make them good parents, or are they teaching them to go, holy shit, the last thing I want to do is get pregnant because I don't want to be up in the middle of the night? Oh, there's there's no doubt that it's, I think, at least 50-50 that, yeah, at least half of it is is aimed at being a deterrent. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. No. It, it, it shows you that it's no joke to have a baby, and it's right. a huge responsibility. But are they really teaching parenting? Or, you know, or are they just teaching this is a big responsibility and here, you see, here, take this home and see, see yeah. what you think. That probably depends on the student. You know, some people are going to take it in, in the vein of this is a learning experience and others are just going to look at it and go, holy shit, I don't want any part of that. You know, yeah, even I, I think it, it does just, something positive. It's just to me, it's just an odd, uh, you know, I don't know, it's a uh, line of assignments i mean i i just this is another one of the reasons that i've said i'm not really interested in working in public schools and i uh-huh. understand that i might not be involved in something like that if i did but i just i'm just saying what they're doing is not necessarily what i'm interested in they're you know i don't want to raise anyone's children i don't want to babysit anyone's children i would prefer you know more along the lines of you know, if you, you're paying for this uh, college, et cetera, if you show up, I'll be more than happy to work with you. And if you don't, hey, you know what? I <laughs> That's fine. But it just, I don't know. I've always wondered if public schools, though, you know, funded with public money, um, uh, should be teaching things that, uh, you know, probably should be taught in the home. Uh, it, it's just, I don't know. I really ride the fence. I don't even know if I have a good argument for why not. I guess it's just my personal feelings. I mean, people always say, I just think the world has changed a lot and the education hasn't caught up to it. I mean, people always say, oh, they should teach them how to balance their checkbook in school. And I'm thinking, in the world we live in, why? You can get on and watch a YouTube video in 10 minutes and learn how to balance a checkbook. Do we really have to have a school show you how to do it? Yeah, and, the problem is you have you know, an interest in wanting to learn that. 
you know, right. but, but also going back to the um, to the sex ed or, or whatever education for, for these kids. Look, look at uh, unwanted teenage pregnancies. Okay, the states that have the highest rates of that are the ones that are putting forward the abstinence-only programs. You know, and that kind of illustrates. You know, and then they're the same states that are railing against abortion. So th- this is insanity. I mean, wake up, open your eyes, and go look. We need to try to prevent these things, and the only shot we've got, whether it works or not, is to educate these kids. And part of part of the school's job, unfortunately, has become we have to try to prepare these kids for the real world. I mean, by the same token, the programs now where they're just learning to puke back information don't prepare kids for the real world. They're taught to be automatons. We need to teach critical thinking. Yeah, critical thinking is is very important. And and that's, you know, I could play devil's advocate with you, Josh, to say that is it more important to know who the first four presidents of the United States were than it is to understand about being a parent or about how to balance your checkbook, things like that? I mean, mm-hmm. these are life um, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm, I'm throwing it out there because... I really don't either. I know that it's a passion for you, but you know, there's so many children out there who are from disadvantaged homes that have parents i mean just turn on you know my wife is uh she's been home and i come home she's not working yet and i come home and neither what she's got on is maury and every day it's paternity tests uh, yeah. and, I, and i and i look at it's these daddy. <laughs> yeah and i and i look at these kids and, and well the little ones they, they're adorable kids and you think what shot do these kids have in this world and if the schools aren't going to step in and and maybe um help out with some education on life i think these kids don't have a shot in the world you know that's that and, and that's what we're breeding here so I mean, you know, there's there's yeah. that whole no. I I like I said, I I don't even know that. Um, there's a never-ending supply of those for Maury. Sure. I mean, is how many? I haven't <laughs> seen Maury in years, really. And now the last few days, she found it. You know, she's been watching all the cop shows, but uh, that, the last that doesn't time, even include the copycat shows. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, I it's a never-ending, you know, revolving door of. I had a threesome. Which one of these guys, you know, uh, is is the father? Let's get the paternity test done. And uh, it's it's sad. You yeah. Know? It's a 16-year-old today on that show. And a, two, two 16-year-old kids. And, uh, you know, it turns out he was the father. And, you know, he's he's <laughs> given her all this and that. And she's a bitch and she's a cheat. And it ain't me. And if it's me, I'm going to step up and take care of the kid. Oh, I really feel safe with that kid in your hands. You know, mm. he's going to do the right thing. What is the right thing, you know, for a 16-year-old? And who knows what their parents are like. So, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a rough life out there, and so I think you need classes like that. I I uh, I don't know if I would go as far as bondage, but I mean, you know, I think the classes are important, and I do think parenting classes are important. I don't, you know, I think it shows, uh, you know, this is no joke. Kids are cute, but they're a lot of work, and you do have to wake up at two o'clock in the morning, and you do, you know, have to do all these things, and and it costs a fortune, and you have to sacrifice, and 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 right, and if crying you can't bounce them off the floor on their head correct <laughs> you know yeah uh, no i i agree i mean it was just i guess it just depends who you are which is the other bad thing about our system is you know we kind of have a one-size-fits-all for education and you know it's like when it came to that kind of stuff in school i just didn't do it 
I just you know, refused. I didn't even take it. I'm like, I'm not taking the fucking thing anywhere, you know? And give me an F. And <laughs> call my parents. And you know what my parents will tell you? He's the smartest fucking kid we've ever seen. If he doesn't want to do it, he's not doing it. You know, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I I was probably ready to graduate when I was in the seventh grade, you know? So, I mean, last couple of years, I didn't feel like they had anything to offer me, so I just didn't do anything, you know? I mean, I just, the hell with it. But I they just, didn't have a program for you? They didn't have an advanced program well, for you or something to keep you stimulated? I did some of it, but I didn't even like it, you know? And and then in some ways, I got, um, you know, they tried to do some stuff, and I was just like, eh, you know, I don't really want to do it. Uh, I don't know why we all can't get, a, you know, that kind of education. Why aren't you pushing other people? I, You know, I just didn't like school, period. I mean... I didn't really like school. I like the education... That I'm into now, I didn't connect um, with very many I, of my teachers. For yeah, me, it but was, I never, I never liked high school. I guess you know, it was yeah, just yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I, I had college classes that I liked because of the teacher. Yes, uh, but they were in college. I had one. I only had one teacher in my uh, in my high school who even reached out to me to see that you know this guy's pretty bright, but he doesn't apply himself. And it was uh, my, my, what is it, ninth grade biology teacher who pulled me aside yeah, somewhere around the middle of the, the year. And she said to me, you know, we, you know, in New York, you have to take the regents exams. They're, they're state exams. If you don't know what they are yet, you get uh, all the major subjects, science, math, English, and history. You take yeah. these New York state regents exams at the end of the year and you're graded on that. And you, I get a regents diploma and all that. And. Right. I was getting, I was a typical right down the line C, C minus student because I did zero. I just paid attention in class. I went to class and, and, and I did the bare minimum to get by. And she pulled me aside one day after class and said to me, you're better than this. I know you're better than this. I just know it. I can tell by conversation with you. I'm going to make you a challenge. You're headed for a C or possibly a D in this class. You work with me and do everything I tell you to do between now and the end of the year. You're going to do you're going to get in the 90s on the final and you're going to get at least a 90 on the regents exam. Are you up for the challenge? And I I, I was shocked that she even pulled me aside. I was always invisible in uh, in you know in school. I took up the challenge and uh, I got a 96 on the regents. I wound up with an A in the class. And, uh, you know, she just made sure that she worked with me in order to keep me focused because I would lose my, that was my problem. I would lose my focus because I would get bored. Mm -hmm. And that's a great teacher who recognized that and took the time out to do that. See, the part of the problem is every, first off, I went to, grew up in, you know, New York City, went to New York City schools. The classes were too crowded. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, there were always 35 kids in a class. I'm sorry. You can't learn that way. It's just too many damn people for a teacher to, to, to deal with. We have to spend more money and, and, and reduce class size. And you have to gear programs. Everybody learns differently. Some people learn you know, by looking. Other people learn. They can memorize stuff. Other people need hands-on. And you have to figure out a way to get through to each particular kid. And that's what makes a good teacher. But if you put all this testing into effect, um, it reduces the amount of time you can spend plus the fact that you have too many kids in there. I mean, look at the schools that perform well and why some of these private schools perform well. What's the ratio of, of students yeah. to teachers? Mm-hmm. 10 to 1 maybe? Yeah. You know, and, and that says it all. 
it, it, it's just and then you, 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 you combine with that with the fact that in the public schools, if you're in a disadvantaged area, these kids are coming. They don't get any assistance at home. They're lucky if they even have a place they can go home and actually study on their own. Right. They're you know, unsupervised. A good parents don't know enough to help them. And, or and they're the unsupervised. Or they're unsupervised. They're latchkey kids yeah. who yeah. come home to empty homes and they put the TV on and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was a latchkey kid. My my parents both worked. Neither neither of them got home until around six six thirty in the evening. Mm-hmm. So I had that time, you know, all alone. Now, fortunately, I didn't get into trouble, but I also didn't bother doing schoolwork. And I, you know, <laughs> I graduated. You know, I was able to coast. I, I was fairly good. I got out of high school, and it was a good school with an eighty seven average. And the only reason it wasn't higher was at Jamaica High in those years. Unless you took an honors class, you could not get over a ninety in the subject. You oh. could do it once. But you couldn't get over 90 unless you committed to, to taking the honors class the following semester. And I was like, I was way too lazy to deal with that. So I was like, nah, just get 90s in these classes. And I did shitty in other classes. So, you know, but it was coasting because I found most of school uninteresting. I agree. I completely agree. I was bored in school. Uh, just yeah, I never care. found it interesting. So, But then I got to college. And it completely was a, it was a complete one. Well, I flunked out at first because I wasn't mature enough. I went to, I went to school and it was like, I mean, I don't have to go to class and I'm not going to get in trouble for it. <laughs> I, I wound up spending all my time at the college radio station for the first semester, flunked out. When where'd I, you go, Rob? I went to New York Institute of Technology in, in oh, okay. Westbury. And I got so, first day of class, I got involved in the college radio station and I met lifelong friends who I'm to this day still very close with in, in, in the whole group of us. And so um, it was a good experience, but uh, of course it didn't do too much for my, uh, my, uh, <laughs> my academic drop incomplete, you know, but when I finally got serious about it, then I became an honor student. So, you know, that uh, grad, you know, yeah, I mean, in, in some ways I was so intelligent, but in other ways I'm so stupid, you know, because I just wanted out, like you know, Rick was saying, and I thought I didn't want to go to college. I mean, you couldn't have sent me for free. Wow. I mean, I had people, you know, looked me right in the face and like, you know, try to tell me what you were saying. You know, what are you doing? You know, um, you know. I mean, I had, you know, it's like you do realize that you could go to the Ivy League, right? And, and I was just like, Psh, man, fucking people where I'm from don't go to the Ivy League. You know, like my parents didn't even graduate high school. We were one of them. I'm serious. I'm like, we don't have money for that. You're out of your mind. I had no idea that if your parents made less than a certain amount, for example, Harvard and Yale will just let you in for free if they admit you. Like if they agree to accept you and your parents make less than X, they just let you go. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, they just have like an out, they just give it away. And then if your parents make between X and this, then they charge you 50% and then another has 75. And then after that, you're just full right, you know, pay your own way. It's like, man, forget that. The last thing I want, are you kidding me, is four more years of this? Ah, you know, I know that. Forget it. I mean, I had no idea, you know, that it was going to be different. And then I didn't go, and then I was out for a couple of years. And, you know, I worked skilled trades, automotive, all that. And then I realized, you know, what am I doing here? This is not, you know, for me. And so I went back, and, you know, I started going, and then I realized I'd made a huge mistake. But by then, you know, I pigeonholed myself into a life. You know, I had a yeah, the job that I had, I didn't like. It did pay fairly well, you know. 
and I made X amount a year, and then we got used to living on that, and we had a house, and you know, and then we were married, and then you know, so what was life? So now you. I'm in that life. What can I do? And now I'm just trying to work my way out of a day at a time, basically. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's where school fails people is they don't give them reasons. They don't give them. They don't sit down and find out what makes Josh tick, and how do we. How do we motivate Josh? It's just you become a number. You become a, a, another, you know, I guidance counselor. Every year the guidance counselor was different. I don't think I ever talked to the guy. I just knew what his, yeah. the name was. And nobody ever sat you down and said, look, you know, these are the reasons why this is for this. And, you know, straighten you out, communicate with you. You know, you, you just skated through. And if you weren't right. the someone who yeah, was going to ask, then you're screwed. Right. And I think when you're like 16 or 17, you don't think to ask. You just made your mind up, you know. And like I said, no one ever told me that. No one ever told me, oh, don't worry about that part of it. Just work and do your academic work and get accepted and they will take care of it. You know, like they will they will get you there and, you know, they will help you get through a school like that. You know, as far as I know, almost all the Ivy Leagues do that, you know, Brown and Penn. And I mean, all, you know, and it's like. No one told me that. I just assumed that that was for other people. You know, I'm from a little town in Ohio. If we point out the window, it's, you know, there's corn right now for as far as you can see, you know, right past my property line. I mow right up to it. You know, it's like, yeah. what am I going to do in in Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know? In a middle class or, 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 or poor background, you're not exposed to... To the after school work, et cetera. You know, your your father's a working guy, he comes home and that's it. He's done, you know, right, right. And, and that's it for the evening. Kids who are from wealth or, or educated backgrounds have an extra advantage over everybody else because they're used to that and they're raised that way. Right. So it's a little tougher. It doesn't mean you can't do it, but it is a little tougher growing up without that that atmosphere because you just don't get it. And like like Josh said, yeah, I get home, it's like I can't think about what I'm going to do five years, you know, 10 years down the road. It's like, who cares? I want to have fun right now. Screw yeah. it. I'll figure it out later. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I just, no one ever explained that to me. I mean, I thought it was going to be the same as it was, you know, four more years of them telling me I had to take a class about Shakespeare or whatever. I mean, no one ever told me that, yes, you're going to have to take a few classes that you don't like, but then you're going to get to tailor your education in a world-class way to your subject of choice and schools like the Ivy League, I mean, you're going to – the finest people in the – you know, I mean, I had no idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like now I look and I'm like – And you didn't have parents who, who you know, just no, weren't from that. No, and I don't blame them. No, no, no. Right. I agree. I, my parents right. were – one didn't graduate high school. The other did. So, I mean, I'm from that, you know. That. Yeah, I mean, you know, my grandfather, West Virginia coal miner, died of the black lung disease. You know, my mom's father the same way, World War II veteran – Work for a gas company. You know, this is very blue collar. Yeah. Um, go to work, come home, drink some beer, watch sports type family. You know, I mean, they didn't care who the first four presidents were either. I mean, my mother is pretty intelligent. You know, I mean, she's just as intelligent as anybody I've ever met. But I mean, but it wasn't an academically based household. Right. It was more, you know, like when I was 13 or 14 years old, you know, uh, in a nice way, my father was kind of like, you know, I'm going to get you a job this summer. I'm going to get you a job. You know, it was all about getting me a job, <laughs> right. getting me working. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, I'm going to get you into this program yeah. to apprentice under, uh, you know, academically or to be a lawyer. Or whatever. You know, it was, you know, 
man, I got a friend paints houses and, you know, or a roofer and you'll be, you'll make a lot of money. Yeah. That was just the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're joined by Damien. How are you tonight, Damien? Very good. How are you? Good. Thanks. We went way beyond the half hour point. Um, (laughs) The the subject matter was good and I didn't want to stop the discussion, but we were going to play the trivia game. So, um, uh, why don't we do that now? The last twenty minutes or so. I, I, I mean, I'm doing it more as an exercise for me, and uh, you know, uh, it's fun to do. It's a Friday night, but I mean, in general, I, I'm still looking to do this on a regular basis here at some point. So um, I got the same categories as last week, and uh, we'll shorten the game up, obviously. And so we've got. I, uh, Rick, are you with us? I see you're spinning. Oh, then let's try this again. Because we lost you there. I am with you. Yeah, I had to go back out and come back. Now, let's see. if the, Is the camera back? It's still spinning. I saw it go uh, turn to that little blue thing, and now it's spinning it's, again. There we go. It's spinning. Yeah, there we go. Dervish tonight. So, um, yeah, you're, you're all back now. So uh, let's play the game. Um, same, same game, um, different week. Um, and I got four categories here. They're actresses and actors and actresses, uh, political figures, rock music, sports stars. And since Rin was the first person to dial in, Rin gets to pick the first uh, category. Actors and actresses, please. Actors and actresses. So, okay. All right. I've got eight clues, and uh, there's you know, everybody can hear. Just say your name. If you if you have if a guess, just say your name. Uh, Rin picks the clue, but she doesn't. Uh, this is not exclusive to anybody. So here's the first clue. I was born in New York City in 1943. Barbara Streitler. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> clue number two. My father was a prominent Manhattan book editor and magazine writer, and my mother was a concert pianist and librettist. Go ahead, Teresa. Charlie Simon? Nope. Still worth five points. In my in my 2007 biography, I claim that I was abused as a child by my mother and stepfather. Clue number four, still for five, the last five-point question. I was a member of an early underground comedy ensemble called Channel One which I co-founded in 1967. Last of the five pointers right there. All right. Clue number five for three points. Uh, Rather, four points. I could do some math here. In 1976, I left a very popular TV show wanting to be with my girlfriend who did not want to move to New York. Who am I? All right, for three points, clue number six, the role of Eric Otter Stratton in National Lampoon's Animal House was originally written for me in mind, with me in mind, but I turned the role down for another film. Who am I? No guesses, huh? All right, for two points, clue number seven. I narrowly escaped death by electrocution during the filming of Modern Problems in 1980. Oh, what? Rick. Rick, go ahead. Woody Allen? Not Woody Allen. Anybody else? Because I have one more clue here worth one point. Rin? Chevy Chase? Chevy Chase, correct. Oh, oh, awesome. oh my God. <laughs> Yay. Good job. I didn't realize he was born in New York. 
Yes, he was no, born in New York to very wealthy uh, parents, in fact. Um, oh, yeah, wealthy family. Uh, so Rin has two points. Yeah. Woohoo! All right. So she's on the board first. And since you um, you guessed successfully, you get to choose the next category. Um, it's uh, actors and actresses, political figures, rock music, and sports stars. Let's do sports stars. Sports stars. What? All right. Oh, by the way, I've I've broadened this out a little bit, so they're not just stars of sports, but they're sports people. Okay, so it could be more than just the star of a sport. But uh, here we go with the next. Before you go, can I just say that Beltran just hit a grand slam for the Yankees? Yes. What's yeah. the score? Nine to two. Right. All right. Who am I? Sports. I was born in Sacramento in 1952, and I grew up in Elk Grove, California, son of a dairy farmer. Clue number two, I attended the University of the Pacific and made baseball, made the baseball team as a walk-on and led the team with a 312 batting average in 1972. Who am I for five points? Clue number three. My following my college career, I played four years of minor league baseball for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs organization. Who am I? Not enough. Clue number four. The last of the five point questions. As Charlene joins us, I made the Florida State League All Star team in 1976. But knee problems shortened my career, and I retired with a career batting average of 288. Who am I? That's the last of the five-point questions. Or clues, I should say. Clue number five. I received a Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of the Pacific in 1977. That's worth four points. Clue number six for three points. I returned. Oh, David. David, go ahead. Bo Jackson. Not Bo Jackson. Nope. For three points, I returned to the University of the Pacific to earn a law degree from the university from the university's McGeorge School of Law in 1982. Who am I? Throwing you a curveball on this one. <laughs> Pardon the pardon. Uh, Derek Jeter. Not Derek Jeter. Okay, for two points. After law school, I worked as an associate in the pharmaceutical defense department of the Chicago of a Chicago law firm defending drug com- drug companies against class action lawsuits. It's a hard one. Yeah. All right, the last clue, number eight, by nineteen eighty. I decided that my calling was a was as a baseball agent. Oh. Who am I? Oh, I know who it is. Shit. Casey Stengel. A baseball wrong, agent. Oh, he's a big agent. He's like the big agent. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, damn it. All right, nobody gets it. Remember his name. <laughs> the answer is Scott Boris. Yep. Scott that Boris. That okay. was a hard one. Okay, you get to pick again, Rin. Still in the lead with uh, three points. Two points. Oh, two points. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, let's do actors and actresses. Yeah. All right. 
All right, let's go with this. I was born in 1956 in New York City. Clue number two, I enrolled at Cornell University, where I double majored in English and history and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in 1978. Who am I? For five points, clue number three, I began my career as a stand-up comedian and actor and was host of the New York City comedy club Catch a Rising Star in 1979. Richard Belzer. Not Richard Belzer. Robert Klein. Not Robert Klein. Clue number four. Jerry Seinfeld. Who? Jerry Jerry Seinfeld? Seinfeld? No. Clue number four. I made limited television appearances, including a recurring role in 1985 in something called Sarah, a TV show. Richard Lewis? Not Richard Lewis. All right, for four points in the clue number five, my feature film debuted debut was in DC Cab in 1983 clue number 6 for 3 points my late night talk show won an array of awards including an Emmy go ahead Rick Arsenio Hall not Arsenio two Cable Ace Awards and a Genesis Award for best television talk show All right, for two points. That same late night show started on cable and moved to network television. Go ahead, Teresa. Um, John Stewart? No. Wow, I'm Jimmy Fallon? Who? Jimmy Fallon? Jimmy no. Jimmy Fallon? Not Jimmy Fallon. The final clue for one point. My network decided against renewing my contract in 2002 after I made a controversial on-air remark after the 9-11 attacks. Oh, who is Gilbert Godfrey? Bill Maher. There you go. David has it. Bill Maher. Bill Maher. All right, so David has one. Rin has two. And David, since... (laughs) Where since you have uh, you answered the last one correctly, you get to choose the category: actors uh, and actresses. Rock, rock, rock music. Rock music. All right. Here we go with rock music. I was born in England in 1950. Number two, I made my professional debut at age nine. Who am I? Rin. Elton John. Not Elton John. Clue number three. I had moderate success as a lead guitarist and singer in a, in a string of British bands in the 1960s. Go ahead, Teresa. Eric Clapton? Nope, not Eric. David Bowie? Not David Bowie. Number... Elvis Costello? Uh, no. Nope. Rick? Oh, okay. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, Stevie Winwood? Not Steve Winwood. Clue number four, still for five points. I was named Face of 1968 by several British magazines. Oh, oh. Okay, go ahead, Rick. Rick? Yep. 
Uh, Peter Noon? Not Peter Noon. That's the last of the five point clues. Fourth uh, for four points. Clue number five. In 1971, I started to pursue a solo career. Clue number six. My first solo album was recorded with the assistance of Ringo Starr. Clue number seven for two points. I recorded a live album at Winderland in San Francisco with my band. Huge. Peter Frampton. Bingo. You got it, David. Oh, Peter Frampton. Oh, my God. Right. I thought Peter Frampton. I thought, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peter Frampton. So that was worth uh, two points. So oh, you David now are tied with Rin for three points. And no, I only have two points. I'm only. sorry. So you've gone ahead three <laughs> to two. Um, and you get to choose the category again. Sports, rock music, political figures, and actors and actresses. Rock music. Rock music again. All right. All right, here we go. We formed in 1968. We. Clue number two. From 1969 until 1975, we had 21 top 100 hits. Rolling Stones? Not the Stones. Clue number three for five points. We were dubbed as a hit singles machine. Clue number four for five points, the last of the five points. Eleven of our hits made it into the top ten. Clue number five for four points. We had three number one hits. As I look back at this now, boys, a lot of just numbers. Okay. Go ahead. Three Dog Night? Bingo. Three Dog Ah. Night. Oh. That's a gun, Rick. Three Dog Night, and you got four points on that, so you take the lead. So it's four, three, and two. Rick has four. Rick and Teresa have four. David has three, and Rin has two. We are about a few minutes left here. We'll do one more of these, and then we'll move to the final round. Um, Actors and actresses, Rick, you choose. Actors and actresses, political figures, rock music, and sports stars. Let's go political figures this time. Political figures. Okay. Here's one for you. I was born in Wichita, Kansas in 1940. I went to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, earning both a bachelor's in 1962 and a master's in 1963 in chemical engineering. Who am I? For five points, yes, but Go ahead. I don't know if you'd fall into political figures. I, I know it's can't think of which one this is almost exact from one of the Koch brothers but i take a guess make me choose one pick one which one with mit for chemical engineering was i want to say josh i don't even know their names (laughs) i don't either charlie coke no Clue number three, I played basketball, averaging 21 points per game at MIT over three years, a school record, and I held a single-game scoring record of 41 points from 1962 until 2009 when it was eclipsed by 
Jimmy Bartolota. Who am I? David Coke. David Coke is correct. Okay. Wow. For five it. points. Was one. Damn it. For yeah, five. Josh did the hard work. You should have taken the easy one. I don't know why I didn't say it. <laughs> so uh, Josh has the lead. We're getting near the end of the game, so I'm going to stop with these, and we're going to go to the uh, final round here, which is the audio portion. Um, and I've got those right up here. Let me just uh, call up my answer sheet on these. Just so I know, because um, all right, so we're gonna do this one is a um, well. I'm not gonna tell you the category. I'm just gonna play it. Uh, give this a listen, and um, what I want to know is, let's see, should we just say who said it? Why don't we just do that? We'll just say who said it. For, now this is for five points, so Josh has five. So it, in order to catch him, somebody needs to hear this or get this. Here we go. This has been a long an arduous process for everyone involved on both sides. Thank you, and good evening. Anybody have an idea who that is? This has been a long and arduous process for everyone involved on both sides. Thank you, and good evening. I'll give you a hint. Jim it, Brady? No. Uh, it happened in 2000. I, I remember hearing it, but I can't. December of 2000. Okay, I'll tell you the answer. Is James Baker speaking about the uh, the election process in 2000? Uh, the Supreme Court's decision to reverse Florida Supreme Court's uh, order uh, that manual recounts should take place under the voted ballots and uh, in the 2000 presidential election. Okay, here's a, here's another one. And in this one, you just need to tell me, um, well, if you could tell me the movie and the actors, it's really short. You ready? Fuck you. Fuck you back. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sounds like me. <laughs> Any is ideas? It me? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Fuck you. Fuck you back. Well, I think Albert needs to use that as a sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get that first. I got to get the fair first voice. It's the only way. Fuck you. Fuck you back. <laughs> oh. Oh. Is it, uh, uh, um, oh God, what the hell is his name? Let me give you her name. Her name is Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Richard Gere? No. No, no, it's, um, shit. Is that from Aaron Brockovich? No, who's the guy that plays? Albert Finney? That's right. Albert oh. Finney. Aaron Brockovich. That's right, Aaron oh, Brockovich. Rick was right. He said the right movie. I, I never would have gotten his name. I couldn't remember who started it. So David gets five Good, points David. for that, and so that means you have a total of eight points, oh, and you're the fucker. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fucker. Way to go. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you back. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, we're just about out of time here. Um, Alex Bennett's Ramble is next. I'd like to thank everybody, Rin, David, 
Rick and Teresa, Josh and Damien for joining tonight. We uh, got into a discussion that took the you know about ten minutes of the game time up, but that's fine. Um, it went. It was a. It was a good discussion, and it'll make uh, good fodder for uh, Gabnet Rewind, which is what I was thinking about the entire time it's going. <laughs> <laughs> so really uh, selfish intention. Yeah, isn't that terrible? So thank you all, and um, have a great weekend. If I don't speak to you, and um, Albert's back on Monday night. Thanks a lot, folks. Have a good night. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night. Then thank you for joining me here today. Um, let me hit the uh, the goodbye music. There we go. Time to say goodbye. Hope you all have a great weekend. And uh, Gabnet Rewind starts tomorrow night after Josh and the guys, David and Patrick, get going. And uh, so it's going to be a little late tomorrow night. And uh, Alex Bennett with the Ramble is next here for a Friday night. Stay close here to Gabnet.